Cowabunga, dudes! Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just kicking it in the old turtle lair here with my buds, my pizza, and listening to Operation Retroshock. Whoa, just like you! Retroshock Turtle Power! Kawabonga everybody and welcome to episode 106 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts Alan Price and eating pizza alongside me as always is... <laughs> Sorry. Finish. Sorry. God you didn't tell me that you were starting. I can't even eat pizza. It's Chris Finn to everybody. Yes hi. Kawabonga dudes as Michelangelo would say. Uh, also quick plug um, if you go back and listen to our Townsend Coleman interview to do with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, that'd be great. Yeah, be yeah lovely. Thanks. Be lovely yeah and you'll enjoy it too. <laughs> Are there still episodes online I almost forgot of the uh, Turtles podcast you did? Oh what the shell? Yeah. I honestly could not tell you. I don't think so. Uh, I'm not sure. If we can find any we'll throw them up on the feed sometime. So we will, because you can never have too much turtles, anybody. But uh, yes, welcome to episode 106. We're back again, and it's turtle time. So it is specifically the uh, 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action movie, Chris. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't say so excited. No, it's just, it's, it's nice to talk about a film that... Is, was really loved back then and is still holds a place in my heart today. Um, that's what I'm. I'm trying just to find something here because it just popped into my head. Um, into your noggin. Yeah, it's just to do with that. Um, but yeah, oh yeah it's okay. have you got it? Yes, I do. That's okay. So it's ready to go. Yes. Uh, but yeah, as Chris was saying, folks, if you haven't heard our interview previously. Uh, with Townsend Coleman, please do go back, hunt it out through the archives. Uh, we'll put a link in the description. Yeah, it. it's one of the funnest interviews I think we've done. Yeah, uh, on the show uh, up there with the likes of Larry Kenny and Eric Stewart. You can't. Well, to be honest, I can't say. Well, no, sorry, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> I can't say that there hasn't been a fun interview on the show. Uh, there's been troublesome uh, interviews. Um, but the vast majority, especially of folks that we considered um, our voice acting cartoon, so whatever to say, video game voice acting heroes uh, throughout the years haven't disappointed us. And Townsend was an absolute gem of an interview. And when we got to talk with him even after the interview, uh, just how heartfelt he was in, you know, thanking us for the interview and when we just said how much talking to him kind of meant to us. Yeah. Really, really cool that guy. So go back, check it out, and all our other interviews, please. Alan near makes him cry as well. Did we leave that in? I don't think so. We did because there's, I listened to it not too long ago. It was whenever I was doing my blog, finto316.wordpress.com, um, and there's a part where we say something to him about like how much... His voice acting meant to you as a oh, child, 100%. and then there was a pause, and then he just says, "Wow!" And he's just like, "You've no idea how much that means." Mm-hmm. And I get a bit whenever I listen to it. I'm not gonna lie, I get a bit teary eyed because it's like, <laughs> you know, whenever you hear us saying how we feel about you know his work to him, and then that profoundly affects him and yeah. um, means something to him. You can't buy that, you know. That's no, that's something you can't fake. Um, and then whenever you listen to the likes of that interview, and then you know, like other ones that we've done, but the likes of him, he wears his heart in his sleeve, and Definitely. he says what he's, you know, like he, you know, and the same with Larry Kearney. Whenever we said about you know to him, he thanked us for that as well. But with Townsend, he was just a different, um, a different beast altogether. You can and just, tell how much his body of work. Uh, means to him and here it has had a profound effect on people 
be that uh, simply as being a fun part of their childhood or helping them through tough times or whatever else it may be. Um, you know, some people see folks as father figures if they're in a particular difficult place. Those sort of things, it means so much mm-hmm. to these guys. You think sometimes, oh, well, these guys will have heard this so many times throughout their life that it's just kind of word service to them. There but was Townsend, completely different guy. He, he Everything means so much to him. I, never, I, I need to go and get something in my room in a minute or two. But whenever I met Kevin Eastman and I said to him, you know, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but thank you for making this. And he said, if I ever get tired of listening to that, I'm in the wrong business. Because, you know, like, you know, just thank you for creating this property and these characters. And, you know, like I've met people because of this. I've interviewed people because of this. We're talking about a film because of that. And, you know, like he said, you know, if I ever get tired of hearing that, you know, like I'm in the wrong business. So exactly. again, that meant something to him. Uh, and he's the co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that's the guy who drew this, yeah. you know, and you're thinking, well, if that's coming across with him, you know, rather than just saying, yeah, well, whatever, away you go, you know. So. Well, do you want to get that now or do you want to leave yes, it? Yes, I'll yeah. go and get it now. I'll, let you, you go and, I'll let you go and get it now and let me ramble a bit. So yes, folks, this episode is going to pretty much uh, assume a similar format to our previous uh, main topic episode, the Blade episode that we talked about a few weeks ago. We have a number of questions which I have in front of me, which we will end up going through in due course here when Chris gets back into the room. I'm back. He's back, everybody. I just wanted to grab some stuff. All right, cool. Yes. Nice. Just whenever we're talking about turtles, I just have some stuff to show whenever we're near finishing. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Okay, I'm ready now. So what do you want to discuss first? Do you want to do the first question or is there something you want to show or talk about that you've well, brought in with you? Okay, well, we'll talk. Well, since we talked about Townsend Coleman, did you get one of these from Mike? I, can't. I did, yes. Yes. Um, Mike Lacey, hi Mike, no doubt you're listening, sent, I think, you, me, and I think Dylan... One of the classic collection Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Michelangelo figures, which was personalised and signed Cowbonga Dudes by Townsend Coleman. Still sits pride of place on uh, one of my many shelves in my room. Uh, same with me, it just sits beside a Kevin Eastman limited edition of 250 print of the Turtles Crossing Abbey Road, which I picked up on my first convention signed by him. Awesome. Um, speaking of which, I do have... Um, a couple of signed pieces by Kevin Eastman, which is this, which is the number one number one issue of Leonardo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, number one issue of Micro Series. So you can see he draws a turtle. It is awesome though. He and draws then, the turtle. Yeah, so he did that. And then whenever I was rummaging through some comic bins, I found a 30th anniversary special. That's sweet looking. And this cost me two pound. And then I was like. Kevin Eastman's still here, so I thought, well, why not? I'll get it signed I'll again. I'll get it signed, you know, so I got that signed. Awesome. I did manage, now, um, friend Stevie um, got this signed for me, which is, the, this is actually the first appearance of Casey Jones. Very nice. So, it is a bit battered, you know, like, it's seen better days, but I got this off a friend for, I think it was 30 quid, and, you know, to own a first appearance now. Part of me is thinking, do I get Stephen Amell to sign this as well? Ooh, that's, a, that's, nice. because, that's a dilemma. Because I do have other parts and pieces, which I'll show you later on. Um, and then I did grab... I would probably personally leave it. I'm worried about get that getting damaged. You see that? Yeah. Well. Um, and I did also pick up the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book adaptation of the, the Golden, Golden Harvest mo- motion picture. Um, I think I got that at a Place in Spaces booth, which I got that one, which is obviously the Secret second one. Ooze. And this is something for you, because I actually have two copies ah. of this. Now, this, I think, is the second, or th- this is the third printing. This was the, in inverted commas, death of Donatello. <gasps> so this is wherever Donatello dies and becomes the, ro- his basically his um, body is put into the robot 
Um, so that's the one I can't cool. remember what they call him in the cartoon. With Bebop and Rocksteady on the cover? Yeah, because they basically beat the holy hell out of them. But the first print of that. It's actually a very graphic cover when you look at it, isn't it? Yeah. But I suppose that's the thing is people get misconstrued by the cartoons and all that the original Turtles was fairly, uh, fairly out there in terms of uh, not being for the kiddies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially because I think that's what. There's something we'll get on to in a minute or two anyway. But that's what I wanted. That's what was taking me so long. Because cool. I need to Thank you very much. grab you that. Will we get stuck into the questions we'll then, Chris? We'll get stuck into the questions. As so, I nearly delete them off the iPad. Oh, good idea. <laughs> so, TMNT 1990. Was this our first encounter with the heroes in a half shell? Had we watched the cartoon before? Or was the movie where it all started? Cartoon was released in 87. And the movie, as has just been mentioned in 1990 Chris well I'll let you go first because you're the younger one of the Why, two thank you Chris yeah but because I don't know where this will fall into you I oh, know okay. I know for me where it arrived okay uh, it's a cartoon for me so it was um, probably just luck more than anything else it's probably I was very much at the age now of course I wouldn't have seen it in 1987 because I didn't exist in 1987 <laughs> Oh. Um, <laughs> more ways to make Chris feel older um, but it would have been the early 90s for me that I would have seen Turtles then probably um, Turtles were very early for me they were probably, I'm trying to think what where I would have seen them here in the UK it would, BBC it was probably BBC early mornings I'd suspect because it was always BBC early morning cartoons for me and then ITV over here was where I would have watched Power Rangers with Mr. Motivator. Oh, God. That's a throwback and a half, so it is. Uh, Americans will have no idea who Mr. Motivator is. Type it into YouTube. You'll be thoroughly entertained. Um, For, like, 30 seconds. But they were probably two of my main staples, Mm -hmm. sort of, in in my early years of life, was Turtles, um, Super Ted as well, (laughs) and uh, Power Rangers. But it was definitely the cartoon. So... I have a far stronger affinity to the cartoon, which, of course, as you kind of let everybody know there when we were talking about it, and you would hear in the Townsend Coleman interview, um, I explain how much of a connection I have with the Turtles cartoon. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was probably a few years later. I was probably about, I'd say, maybe six or seven before I saw the live-action movie, which... There's probably a considerable amount of time. What about you? It was definitely the cartoon for me, with me being, you know, whenever... Don't worry, Chris, don't worry. So, it was definitely that, because I remember one year that, like Optimus Prime, I wanted the Turtles action figures for Christmas, so... um, Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, my mum and dad were helping Santa... And managed to acquire... What do you mean? What do you mean? There is a Santa Claus, Chris. Oh, I know, but Santa couldn't get hold of them, so they asked them to help. It just reminds me terribly of that one time, way back in our first one, remember, Debs? Debs, yes. Yeah. Um, yep. um, Santa Claus exists, everybody. Yes, he He's does. a very lovely man. Yeah, called Tim Allen. Um, so, yeah, so they actually find this toys in... You know that... Um, you know when Banger on the Seafront... Yes. And McCulloch's. McCulloch's, yes, yes. That's yes. where they got them from. Many's a time I have been in McCulloch's. And that's where they got the figures from, where it was in there. Now, this is obviously the, way before like online shopping and like some Woolworths and things like that. So McCulloch's was probably your biggest sort of all round store in Bangor. Uh, this is me pulling from my child's memories here, so accuracy maybe could be. Accuracy is way off. The debated. Way off. From what I remember, I always remember being able to go there and there was like Hornby train sets yeah. and Skeletrics and Hot yeah. Toys and Hot sorry, Hot Wheels. Yeah. I'm getting them mixed up with the flipping Hot Toys figures that folks yeah. get nowadays. Um, something tells me there was prams and buggies yeah, for you're children. Right. You're right. Well. So, they have so that's, the, what, that's what I mean by kind of like a bit of yeah, everything. But they have like action figures in there. Yeah. Pretty much not that not that good um <laughs> but i remember that that year that i got them um i w- was sick with the flu and i got like i opened all the there's actually a photo of me with one of the turtles like it's the card back but i can't remember yeah. which one it is um but i remember my uncle my uncle used to give me the most random presents i got a um 
a kind of post-it note thing with a light once. I got a gambling set from him once whenever I was young. My mom was not happy about that at all. <laughs> but the most... Underage gambling, yes. Th- the best um, present he ever got me was a turtle's bag. Yeah. So I remember, I distinctively remember this, is opening him up and smelling him, like, you know, that used to be said, that new toy smell. That's my distinct memory, is the smell mm-hmm. of them whenever you opened them. And obviously, you know, having the likes of them and Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, I can't remember if I had Shredder or Splinter, but I remember having the figures. And then obviously the cartoon was a big part. Um, I think that's whenever, after watching that, I think that's whenever a lot of kids wanted to go into the sewers or go under caves and things <laughs> like that, was to kind of yeah. explore things like that Something as well. Something that has been hotly debated over the years, especially in the UK. Yeah, especially is, is since turtles. somebody got a samurai sword and then stabbed his brother in the eye. And nunchucks. Yeah. And nunchucks. Well, nunchucks were the big thing over here Yeah, in the UK because, of course, it's well known. Hero turtles. Yeah, the hero turtles rather than the ninja turtles. Um, but yeah, the toys were such a huge thing for me as well. Um, you know Castle Court, obviously, up in Belfast. Uh it had a lot of the toy stores over here as well, sort of your, your Toys R Us. And what was it? What was the other one? What was the one that had? It was like a, do- a dog for the logo. I can't remember. Oh, Toy Master. That's the one. Um, I'd always end up in the likes of those if I was up in Belfast. And I remember getting um, on a trip to Castle Court, and it was the Raphael in the coat. Oh, like under co- undercover, Raph. and you could squeeze the legs together, and you know everything would pop out and all as well. <laughs> no, that sounds awfully terrible. I think that's called flashing, Ralph. Is it? But uh, <laughs> but it would change the appearance, and I think there was also I had the like ninja one as okay. well, where like the stuff came out of the shell and all as well. That sounds terrible when you're describing yep. it mm-hmm. on a podcast, but you can look and find those things. But just be careful what you're typing in. <laughs> but that's. Part of what made getting the likes of the, that figure from Mike so cool, besides obviously the fact that it had the personalization from Townsend and mm-hmm. stuff on it, but the fact that those were the retro throwback figures of sort of that original line that everybody has such an affinity to. But both of us, the cartoon then? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, funnily, the, when this is one about the movie, it was like, oh, both the cartoon. Yeah. Well, do you remember the first time seeing the movie then? Yeah, Just a transition kind of, to the movie. About six or seven, it would have years been. ago. Wow, that's not six, six or seven years ago. Yes, I was just a boy. Um, Still are. I, as a kid, uh, was never fond of uh, big outfitted style creatures. Uh, I got to, uh, my granny retired in ninety five, and I got to go to Disney. Uh, in Florida and I would always be running away from the big characters so all the big Mickeys and all that sort of stuff so I can't remember this but I would say the assumption would very much be a similar reaction to this movie I probably wouldn't have been fond of it too much okay on you know probably at least my first viewing off of it um what about you? I honestly cannot remember the first time I seen. I remember my sister and I. Now this must be like years after it came out. I don't remember ever going to the cinema to see yeah. it. I remember us going because we always used to go and rent a video like once or twice. Extra vision. Yeah. Well, there was actually a place down Dufferin Avenue. All right. That used to be there, and I, that's where I remember renting the Secret of the I Sword always used from. to go to the Extra Vision near the KFC. Or oh, the blue one? Yeah, yeah. 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 America's like, what are these guys talking yeah. about? This is this is really a we Northern went, Ireland heavy we episode went to already. Blockbuster because Blockbuster owned Extravision, uh-huh. so went to Blockbuster. Um, yeah, and I remember seeing the VHS cover, which is obviously the movie poster, which has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then the sewer with the four bandanas. Yes, and that intrigued me, and I remember getting that night. Whether I had to convince, whether I got my pick and then the next week my sister got her pick, or whether it was a case of it was like tough, we're getting this. Yeah. But I remember then coming home and watching that and enjoying that. But I definitely don't remember. I've yet, this is, I've always seen the first and second one. I've never ever watched the third right? one. Right. Okay. I've never watched it. Um, 
if I ever was to meet Kevin Ash again, I would get a Super Shredder thing for him to sign. <laughs> um, because obviously he's Super Shredder in that. Um, but yeah, the first one I enjoyed and the second one I enjoyed, but obviously the first is better and the third one I've never seen, so I can't judge on that. Cool. Moving on then, the comics that launched this had an original run of just 3,000. The comics have kept going and saw various iterations of the Turtles with various other properties, quite a few crossovers. Uh, our comics, the big thing of keeping properties alive and do we enjoy the comics? I think for the likes of Turtles, comics definitely have to be given credit for keeping them going because there's the lulls in between the TV shows. Mm -hmm. So that always keeps them in people's minds. What do you think? Well, you've got like Turtles and the real, you've got Turtles and Ghostbusters, which was really, really weird. You have Turtles and Batman. You have Batman and Turtles Animated. Has there been Turtles and Power Rangers or am I imagining that one? Uh, there's been Justice League and Porridge. You're thinking of in the um, New Mutation, there was the two of them that mixed together. That's, that what, you're, it, yeah. that's what you're thinking it's, of. There has been so many crossovers. Well, that's issue 44 of that, and that's up to the way over double that now. That's up to yeah. like issue 90. And so whenever you think of that, that is still one that's going strong, whereas yes. a lot of other properties have either finished the run or like the only one I can think of that's overtaken that and is currently still going is Walking Dead yeah and then whenever you think of how long Walking Dead's been going like 10 years and that's up to um, issue 170 I want to say mm -hmm. near enough so that's not a kick in the arse away from it yeah. but whenever you think of how long that's been going for um, but yeah with the likes of this you know you've got a monthly fix of Turtles and it's something to keep something different um, now I've tried to collect these and then I've just fallen off the wagon trying to collect them because trying to get you know like one of my Mike always asked me what my grails comic wise are and I would I've held an issue an original issue 4 right. in my hand that Mike got me to get Kevin Eastman to sign mm -hmm. and then I don't know whether he sent it off to get graded or whatever but I would love to own the, any of the original 10 like from issue 1 to 10 one of those original ones is yes. like my grail kind of thing because of how much I've tried to get like obviously last year I got a Transformers one from Mike I've got like He-Man ones I'll probably get like a Thundercats one graded myself because I have you know a few of them there to choose from but the original because the original ones are like the like the Casey Jones and that they're bigger yes you know like so they're actually you can see the size difference of them and that's how the other one is you know so to get something like that graded would be amazing to have but get your money's worth yeah because it's something that you're actively after you know turtles has been a part of my life since i was no age and to have something you know i've never i've sat down and read the comics um, and read the start of them, you know, like I had the, like the reprint of issue one, which is free comic book day, and then they did what was called the color classics, which is just basically the original ones, which were in black and white, but now they put the color in them. Yeah. You know, so, and then you have like big omnibus things, which um, there was one that I got in Forbidden Planet and was reduced from 45 quid to a tenner. And I was like, yoink, I will take that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the comics for me are just something good and something different and um it's something that is keeping going and it's nice to see kevin eastman tweet about you know like because there's so many of them you can actually get different covers for mm -hmm. and one of the covers that i'm going to get Stephen amell to sign also later on is just casey jones but it's a kevin eastman cover you Can know I? so it's kind of intertwined in the two of them excuse me now here's an interesting question that is not on the list for you so you're obviously big into your He-Man as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously, He-Man has never had something like this, a consistent, serious run of comics. Do you think, kind of going back to the question that we had there, do you think if like He-Man had such a constant comic connection like Turtles does, that He-Man might be a lot more prominent on cartoons, TV still? or That's a difficult one because you've had different ones where you've had 12 issues you know like and there's a year's run so you've had like in, in um eternity war which was like 19 issues 
Then you've had He-Man and Thundercats, which was six, and now you've got He-Man and He-Man uh, and Justice, which crosses over. Yeah. So you're going to have six issues of that. But yeah, I like this. It's not a mainstay. Yeah. And it's the same with Thundercats. It's not a mainstay. It's something that if you were to get, like, say, two years out of it. Yeah. And then once the second year's coming to the end, then you've got right here's a new He-Man property. But there's always such a big window between them. Mm-hmm. And if you were to have a good... You know, there was, like, um, the reboot of He-Man had issue... Had another episode, because it got cancelled, funnily enough, after talking about that stuff <laughs> being cancelled in the last episode. But after... There was actually a comic that I have, which was because they never made it, they drew the comic. Right. And Dean Stefan, who we talked about in the last episode, told me what was going to happen in season three. Right. So that's again, is something that back then should have been adapted in the comic. If you think about He-Man, the action figures on the back came with a comic. Exactly. So key, key part of the... You know, and then they brought that back with the classics. They brought a couple of comics into that. So... It is something that they could do, but again, it's trying to get the likes of if DC own the rights to that because DC did the He-Man and Thundercats one. They then need to see the figures of that rise because I think it's one that this still does the business, hence why the Turtles comic still goes, whereas the He-Man one will do the business, but I don't think... I think six issues, they kind of get the most out of it, whereas I think if it goes any longer, they'll be like, yeah now I'm just veering off track here completely folks because okay. it's just way to prepare Chris yeah. questions Chris <laughs> different things popping up in my head but it's a, in addition to the questions so everybody's getting extra lovely bonus rambling content um, that they can fall asleep to <laughs> um, it kind of segues from me mentioning He-Man there so there was a series on Netflix there the toys that made us mm-hmm He-Man was obviously a fairly prominent part of that, Star Wars, etc. Yeah. If there was a second season of that, do you think Turtles should be included? Turtles should be included. Thundercats should be included. Um, I think also the likes of Cabbage Patch Kids or, God, what are those things called? Beanie Babies? Yes. Because of the craze of them. Yeah. You know, whereas obviously we have the likes of Transformers and the second part which is coming out I think the 25th of May mm-hmm. um, so you have like the Transformers and then you have some other ones as well which I can't for love of me remember but I know Transformers is one of them because uh, Transformers Star Trek's the other one um, but yeah I think the likes of Turtles because it has so many iterations like He-Man has you've had your classic you've had your original vintage one you've then had the reboot and say like the you know, whenever they did the 2003 one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, that one. Um, just in case you didn't uh, are not aware of that. And then, and, you then, had, and then you would have had the CGI movie. Then you had your CGI movie, then you had your CGI one, and then you had your classic one. Yeah. He-Man is very much the same. You had your vintage one, you had your um, reboot one, you had your classics one, and then you had your redo yeah. them. You know, like, so you've had that kind of staple. And I think with Turtles as well, you have such a lure with it. And it really helps actually looking at Michelangelo while we're talking about this as well for some reason. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) But I think that the toys are a big part of it. And because of, you know, how big the toys were back then. Yeah. You know, like that was a big, big craze. You know, like I remember um, hearing like, you know, like so many people getting into fights, you know, like because of them wanting to get... The toys to help Santa. Pokemon in the early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's another good one is Pokemon. Not necessarily because of the toys, but because of the trading cards. That's true. You know, like, so I think that's another good one. You do have so many other things you can go to, but I think Turtles is as big a property as you can get from that is effectively still as popular now with fathers and their kids, you know, like as it was way back then in fact there's actually a good documentary which you should watch um, called Turtle Power right um, it used to be on Netflix it's not anymore but um, it's actually on iTunes you can buy it for like six quid it's like two and a half hours long but they talk about 
you know, where the comics came from. They talk about the figures. They talk about, like, the rebirth of it and things like that. And selling the rights, you know, like, so, that, like, they sold the rights to that. Um, but it's a really, really good one. And if you enjoy that Toys That Made Us, it's like that, only longer. It'd be the perfect addition, in my opinion. The way they set up their shows, it'd be brilliant to see how they would handle it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. So, will we actually get back to the movie now? Yeah, but we're still talking about Turtles, so... <laughs> yeah, so it's all good. So, you've mentioned him a couple of times already. So, one of the co-creators, Kevin Eastman, appears as a bin man in a cameo within the film. Did we know this or see it more importantly? I had no idea. Until I watched that documentary, I had no idea that he was in it. <laughs> because I was like, I remember, I remember reading something about it and I was like, it's one of those ones that... It's whenever I think they're going to fight Shredder yeah. at the end, but it's like where the turtles are is like way off to the right. And if you're watching your video, you know the way. Obviously, you've got your like, you know, your four, four three, your four three. Yeah, so you're like, you know, you've got a really small window to look at, and then you how, know, did, like, how did we cope? I don't know. And then you look at the sixteen point nine ratio, and you're like, you know, with the pictures stretched out. But I would look for that now more than I would then. Obviously, for the second Turtles, you know, we had Vanilla Ice as more of a cameo. <laughs> but, you know, like, he's still one, speaking of toys, actually, um, he's one that's really big in his turtle. Like, he has turtle tattoo and everything. And he still embraces that Go Ninja, Go Ninja rap. Yeah. And things like that. Whereas there would be other folks out there that, if they were involved with that sort of thing, would be absolutely sick to their stomach by now. Yeah, but he embraces it, you know. So there's actually a program called Toy Hunter. I don't know if yeah. you... Oh, I know it well, yeah. He actually appears in one of them, and he says to Jordan that he wants turtle stuff, but he wants rare turtle stuff. And the prices that Jordan gives them to him for are... It's like, there's a roof here. The roof's been blown off, and I'm still going. And he said, like, wow, that's, like, some real you know big stuff but he i think he buys them but um yeah he's really massively into his turtle stuff uh and it's good to see that somebody from back then is still into it like i don't know if like to say Corey feldman who does one of the voices i think if you were to mention turtles to him not as much it, it would be like all right you know so i think he'd more be mentioned for for the likes of goonies or something like yeah. that you know so a certain individual that uh, we know from quite a few TV shows, quite a few movies, has had a hand in pretty much anything that involves puppets or creatures or outfits, all that sort of thing. That is, of course, the great Jim Henson. This was actually, in fact, the last movie that Jim Henson was involved in. So do we think that this was a fitting end, Chris? I think so, yeah. Now, in that Turtles documentary, they say that he was near enough not going to do this because of the violence, because the comics are like, yeah. quite violent. Um, and I think apparently whenever they were looking to pitch these, this film to different uh, studios, Disney had looked at it, but then again, Disney were very, you know, because of the violence, they were like, no. So I think this is one that... Especially with the likes of animatronics in their in their head and you know the mouth moving and everything, that's obviously you know a big part of that. And Kevin Kevin clashes it. He does a voice for Splinter, then went on to do the voice and puppeteering for Elmo. So yes. it all kind of because there is a documentary. I don't know if it's on there anymore called Being Elmo. Yes. To do with him, and it's not something that I can watch now because of the allegations. I remember watching it. It was a very enjoyable watch at the time, but yeah. it is when these sort of things come out, you're just like, mm, not watching that again. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's weird because he's a part of that turtle documentary and he's talking about, you know, if the turtle's faces weren't working or somebody, you know, like the eye would stay here instead of going there. <laughs> so they go like, do a close up of that. for you, looking at you. Yeah, so Shawn Michaels. Um, so, <laughs> um, it's true though. Um, so they would use Splinter instead, or if April was to act with one of the turtles, they'd do a shot so you don't see the turtle. Yeah. So it's like her. It's like the way Tom Holland um, gets to act with tennis balls because they can't put the actor with him because he'll spoil it. So <laughs> it's kind of like that. So yeah. Um, 
I think it was a fitting tribute to him, and it's thing. I still think that it um, it's like labyrinth, like the Muppets and stuff. His work stands the test of time, in my opinion. Anyway, he has such an in-depth catalogue of just projects and things that he has had his <laughs> fingerprints on. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, I just got your message just to do with the Thundercats Roar uh, poster and Lionel um, doing the phone call. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, he has fingerprints on so many things I could say hand in different cookie jars but that's, or hand that's... in different puppets would be more okay but yeah it's like to be involved in not only something as iconic as obviously Sesame Street the Muppets the likes of his involvement with uh, Frank Oz and Frank Oz being Star Wars and stuff like mm-hmm. that as well and hear something like this as well with turtles it's a heck of a selection and there could be far worse things for you to end on yeah in your career than turtles i think he did get to see the movie because i think they went past i think it was a story that they went past a cinema and there was queued out the door and they said they were going to see the turtles. So I think he did see the buzz around the film yes. a couple of months before he sadly passed away. So that was, it was a good that he at least got to see the popularity of his yes. work and, you know, the, the director and everything um, of this of this film, you know, come together. Now, slightly off topic and on a bit of a tangent, but what's new with us? Um, <laughs> you, you mean? Have you seen the trailer that came out there recently? I think it's called like the Happy Time Murders or something. No. Um, it's a puppet-based movie, R-rated, and it's it's proper you know Jim Henson style puppets, everything you know sort of thing, and they even in the tagline of the trailer go, um, what was it? No Sesame, All Street. And it is so dodgy. I would be very intrigued to see how Jim would respond to that because there is some seriously dodgy things. So you would say that this would be something like with Team America and what they did for puppets? Yes. Like um, mm-hmm. to do with Thunderbolts? That, that's probably the perfect bang on analogy because something that happens in the trailer was also something very widely discussed from Team America World Police, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. But I would be very intrigued What's to see... What's it called? I'm not going to play it's it, It's like man. Happy Time Murders or something like that. Um, it has What's-Her-Face that was in Female Ghostbusters and all. What's her name? Oh, oh. Um, are you talking about uh, Melissa McCarthy? That's the one. Has her. And she's like a cop, and her partner is a Muppet. Okay. So it's, But it's a world where Muppets and humans live together and but it's a lot more sort of build as you know what do the puppets do when the kids are away and all that sort of thing it's very odd right i'll, um, I'll leave it at that i'll add that you can too. you can have a look at it and we can maybe discuss that on a future episode but i love the fact you type in stuff and now all you get is oh here's a reaction to that i don't want to see a reaction to that <laughs> i want to see the actual trailer yeah um i probably don't think you would be overly impressed with that Whereas you see the sort of thing, as you kind of mentioned, how he might have been concerned here with Turtles. Mm -hmm. If he was slightly concerned with Turtles, I think he'd be extremely concerned with what they're doing nowadays. Yes, you can say, well, this is the 1990s and now it's 2018, time changes. But I think he always wanted his creatures or characters to have some sort of heart yeah to them oh yeah it's very much like he wanted the family feel there yeah not you know like he didn't want to take away from that and that's why sesame street and the muppets you know like fair enough disney bought the muppets but they haven't done anything with the muppets you know there's been a couple of movies but yeah. that's 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 about but whenever you look about whenever you look back at the muppet movie 
like the actual Muppets, the music, you know, the film, the cameos, that's something that we actually need to talk about and at some stages, the Muppets in general. Alrighty, so on to the next one. So the original April did not return for the sequel due to her own personal complaining, particularly about the six-day schedules and the amount of violence in the movie. So there's a repeated theme coming along here with the violence. Did we miss her in the sequel or did we just not care? Judith Hogue, I think her name was. Um, To be honest with you, I watched this... um, It was whenever we were in New York for Mania 29 and we went to... We went to Walmart or something, and that's where I picked up the three discs. The Blu-ray yes, set. I remember that, yeah. Um, that's why I still have them. So, second one I watched, because I hadn't seen it in years. Obviously, I watched the first one, watched the second one. I didn't really notice that, you know, I didn't go, here, she's different. You know, I didn't I didn't really care. In fact, I probably preferred the person who was in the second one over the Well, fr- that probably then speaks volumes for the first Turtles then, that you obviously had not felt... There was that amazing a performance yeah. from Judith. I'm not going to try and butcher the surname. <laughs> um, that you watched the second one and went, oh right, she's not in it. But you know the way sometimes you'll watch a film and then you'll go like, his voice sounds different? Yes. You know, I would pick up on that rather than I did them. They did a good job of casting the, the person who played April in the second movie. But yeah, for me, the person of Judith in the first one didn't really care for yeah so now i think complaining about the six day schedules is a wee bit much i think it's hard to complain about six day schedules whenever you have people in these turtle suits and they're boiling like uh, some guy had to drink a i think he had to drink two a gallon of water a day to stay hydrated yeah they had these different like little almost like a horse thing that the people in the turtle suits would sit on and have to lean forward to take the pressure off their back because yeah. in the turtle shell was all the servos for the actual mechanics of the face. And she's not in these and she's going, oh, I have to work six days. All right, Rise love. Up. You know, like you're an actress. So you're getting paid. You you're know. either going to complain that you're working too much or you're not going to, you're going to complain that you're not working at all. Yeah, so be happy that yeah, you have it there and then. Yep. Because that's the thing, is like, I've, you know, Deadpool 2's just come out. Um, it was being criticised for 15-hour uh, working days. That's just the movie industry now. Yeah. So it is, so you work six days a week, so be it. Be happy, you're in a very privileged but position. You, you look at the likes of, say, Arrow, and sometimes you'll see Stephen Amell, and he'll do, like, a video at, say, like, a quarter past four in the morning. Yeah. We're, like, just done our night shoot and go, like, I'm tired. But he doesn't care about it. Yeah. It's like, this is what I have to do, and I'm doing it. But then that guy maybe finishes at half four in the morning of a night shoot after maybe shooting four or five days back-to-back, be it night shoots or day shoots or whatever. And then maybe they only have, like, a half a day before another batch of maybe four or five days shoots during night again. Mm. That boy will fly to the air, get to the airport, fly home to see his family for half a day and then fly back and go and do it all again. Mm. So it's it's the nature of the beast. Oh, it is, yeah. At the end of the day, you're in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, getting a nice wage, be happy with it. But alas, (laughs) she wasn't. And she got uh, the old hook off the side of the stage and wasn't invited back for the second one. Moving on then, Marissa Tomei, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Melanie Griffith, Winona Ryder, and Brooke Shields. All fairly famous names. Yeah, Uh, I I took out the ones that weren't famous. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Uh, We're all considered for the role of April O'Neil. Um, I don't know why my voice, my tongue nearly went there. My <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm getting April tired O'Neil of, uh, of April O'Neil, uh, who would have been our pick for the Channel 6 reporter, even though in the movie she's with Channel 3. Traitor. <laughs> um, have I I think, I think Sandra Bullock or Winona Ryder probably would have been a good one. Mm. I like some Marissa Tomei. Probably would have been a bit 
young then? Well, yeah, they they would have been, like Sandra Bullock would have been like really young yeah, in the nineties. Her, her and Bullock would have been a lot more. Michelle younger. Pfeiffer would have been because obviously would... Kidman would have been young enough as well. And we have to think about this. This is twenty eight years ago. Yeah, but you got to remember as well that Michelle Pfeiffer would have just been like re- doing like Batman Returns. Yeah. So could she have been a reporter twice? I don't know. I think Sandra Bullock would have been one that Sorry, I would have gone for. So would have. Um, I think she would have been. You're thinking of Vicky V, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting mixed up. It's just when I got mixed up. She's Catwoman, man. Cat <laughs> yeah, woman. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Sandra Bullock would have been a good one um, to have in it. Um, speaking of with that as well, um, is Megan Fox an adequate April O'Neil for you? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very interesting one. Um, with the way those movies are. She fits the style of those movies. Would I have liked to have probably seen somebody else? Yes. Um, nothing jumps out at me at the moment off the top of my head. If I had time to think about folks, I probably would have some. Um, but having watched those movies, was I watching those movies going, oh, geez, Megan Fox is a terrible April O'Neil or whatever? No, not really. Yeah. Um, when I watch those Turtles movies, she's not something that would jump out at me for uh, criticising. Uh, there's plenty of other things. Michael Bay. Um, Frozen. Michael being, Bay. being a key part of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. robot chicken always comes back. As soon as you mention Michael Bay and explosions, that's all you have to think of. Oh, dear. That can be another one for a discussion. <laughs> what, robot chicken? Modern Turtles movie. Oh, okay. Um, That's why I didn't want to go to you. Ma- Ma- Michael Bay special. No. Uh, <laughs> explosion special. Bad boy. Um, but yeah, I probably wouldn't mind a Sandra Bullock. And is April O'Neil? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> very good, very good. So, with the things the way they are now, with CGI and everything being a big part of movies... Do we prefer the CGI versions or the classic versions that we see here? Also, do the puppets stand the test of time? For me, I do think actually overall the puppets do stand the test of time fairly well. I think if you were to probably sit them down in front of today's kids, maybe not. But for me, looking back, I don't go, they're so bad it pulls me out of the movie or anything like that. That's always a key thing is does something pull you out of a movie if I was to go sit down look at this movie I wouldn't go oh well they're so rubbish that Mm -hmm. I can't get invested in the story no not the case now um, CGI wise that can be taken a couple of ways you could talk about the specific full CGI movie that had like Patrick Stewart and all in it um, as the big bad and then of course the Michael Bay ones I don't see the CGI ones standing the test of time, that's for sure. No. It's certainly with not as how different the turtles look. For me, obviously, there was a big thing that he came out and he said they weren't going to be called Ninja Turtles. You know, because they were called like Alien Turtles or whatever, because they were like, they were from space. And you're like, what? And then that's when everyone, uh... The, the, no, no, they're, no, they're Ninja Turtles. They're Ninja they're, Turtles. They're, 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 they're like mutant ones, and they're going to be, um... They're not adult, and they're not uh, children. or teenagers, that's it. It's like, I know, I know, I hear an explosion, okay, bye! Um, if you would explode, that'd be grand. But yeah, for me, oh. for me, it's that Henson touch. Yeah. It's like, any time that, you know, like, there's um, my niece and nephew. I remember showing my niece the Muppets, and she loved them. Yeah. Because, you know, like, it's like with Elmo, you know, like Elmo's a puppet, but kids will gravitate towards yeah. that because of how, you know, cuddly he looks. How many kids went up to hug the TV because Elmo's on the TV? How many times has a kid played with a Tickle Me Elmo um, because of how lifelike it is? You know, we've also had, you know, Kermit and Miss Piggy as raw general managers. This is the exact thing, and that's what I was going to say there as well, is that, specifically as you're saying with Hanson, and we kind of mentioned about them having heart being family-related, there is something about kind of the Hanson creations that 
even as a full-grown adult, if you were sitting in a room and, well, we are in a room, funnily enough, but right beside us is a sofa. And if Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog were to pop their heads over the back of that sofa and start talking to you, you would get transfixed and invested sure. in it. Sure, that's what happened to Frank Oz whenever he was talking to Irvin Kirshner on the set of Empire Strikes Back. He was talking, but he had Yoda here. And Kirshner's talking to Yoda and go like, no, Irvin, I'm down here. Yeah. And then he, because he's like, it was because he was brought to I life. Would be the exact, I would yeah. be the exact same. That's why I don't like watching behind the scenes documentary things to do with the puppets. Because yeah. it kind of takes that magic away. Yeah. I know that they're being held by rods and I know that somebody has their hand up there, the puppet. Um, but I don't want that, you know, it's not that it's an illusion, but that kind of, for me, my mum said that it kind of strips away the magic. Yeah. You know, like, and you don't want to, you know, I don't mind saying, you know, like, you know, the likes of the Avengers things and things like that, because yeah. that's all CGI, whereas yeah. the likes of that puppet, you know, is, you know, I don't want to see... Frank Oz with um, Fozzie Bear yeah you know and then that ruin and that you know yeah, and that's the same it, it's it is it's it's the exact thing is and it counts for all movies nowadays I would far rather see something that has a bit of effort a bit of heart a bit of creation and be physical on screen rather than CGI creation because when it's CGI you know it's CGI you look at something like Rogue One Tarkin was recreated on screen, CGI. Yes, at that moment in time in that movie, you were probably sucked in. But on rewatches and reviewings, you're like, oh, so that's, you know, that's CGI. That's not, that's mm. not Cushing. Yeah. Sort of thing. Whereas, if you have in front of you the Puppet of Yoda, Last Jedi is the perfect example here. That was the first Puppet Yoda since the foray into the weirdness of episode one that was that was replaced by then cgi yoda god that looked that, that was something that in 1999 that puppet looked worse than one that was made in the late 70s yeah that's um, but that's what i think helped the scene that we see i'm sorry this could be spoilers for folks i suppose the last jetty whoops too late yeah. you've had six odd months um that when yoda appeared back on screen in the Last Jedi, and you saw, oh my goodness, it's actually the puppet. Mm. You don't actually go, oh, it's the puppet. You go, oh, it's, it's Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. You don't go, oh, it's CGI Yoda. Yeah. You're like, it's Yoda. Mm-hmm. And it's those sort of little things, and the stairs back into Turtles, that I think that's what helps you looking back, is physical things are a key part. Now, yes. You look back further in time and you look back to like the stop motion animation like Godzilla's and stuff like that that were physical. Those were things of their time. Yeah. Can't be helped. But back to this sort of time period where you're 80s, your 90s, you go back and you watch, as you kind of mentioned, the Muppets. Just as good now as then. Yep. Sort of thing. So I think it's fair to say we're fully on side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. for the puppets rather than yeah. CGI I would always put on the original Turtles or the second Turtles movie over the other two now I'm not saying that the other two the newer ones stink but I like what they did with the second one with Bebop and Rocksteady you're, you're, th- you're a big fan of Seamus oh, I think he did a good job in it actually I'll, did. I'll, be, actually. I'll be honest again of things in that against, against of things in that movie that you can complain about he's not really one of them no he's not but moving on and uh, we've discussed him quite a bit on the show recently. Uh, that is uh, Mr. Casey Jones. So he is a big part of the film and was created again by Kevin Eastman. One of his favourite movies of the time was Big Trouble in Little China. And he loved Jack Burton's character. Can we see this in Casey Jones's character in the movie, Chris? Not really, no. In, in all honesty, he is a bit of a smart horse. And he is a bit of a, you know... Look, like, we all love a good smart arse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is why the likes of him and Raph kind of gravitate to each other. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that there's a thing in the comic book wherever the two of them, whenever it's like, obviously in the movie, whenever they're fixing the car and they're putting the jabs in each other, that was in the comic book, so I was adapted from that and put on, you know, from 
you know, from pages to screen, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but for me, obviously, Stephen Amell, for me, plays better. Casey Jones in the newer ones. Not because I know him from Arrow, but I think maybe because, very much like Star Wars, they had relative unknowns, you know, like as the main two. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't have any real... I can't really think of any big actors in this you know like who you star in it um but yeah I mean the guy who play, I have no idea who the guy is who played Casey Jones but I think he did a good job and it was an adequate job of it and I think kind of the flirting between him and April was something that needed to be there and was there you know but yeah he did an alright job but for me yeah you can't really see Jack Burton in the movie adaptation of it um it be it's an interesting thing to try and compare that to Jack Burton. So as you know, like trying to picture in your mind that character being in a Turtles yeah. movie. Um, so I don't blame the fella who uh, played Casey Jones for maybe not bringing that across. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's maybe something that was said to him. It was like, have you seen Big Trouble in the Little Town? Yeah, right. It's okay, maybe just well, inspiration more yeah, than anything. Yeah, I imagine so, yeah. So it is. But no, I do agree with you uh, in regards to Stephen Amell. Like, yes, you know him from Arrow, but I think on his own merit he did pretty well yep, in I that so. movie. But again, we're not talking about that one. We keep getting tempted <laughs> into talking one. about the new one. Uh, Golden Harvest were the studio who made the film... And were known for Jackie Chan films. Originally, the producer thought it would cost you know two or three million. Uh, it ended up being seven or eight million, which again, when you kind of look at it nowadays, is absolute pennies. Um, the animatronics were a key part of uh, the cost going up. Twenty-five million was how much it opened for. The Monday after the opening of the film, all the studios who had passed up, up on it wanted the sequel. But it stayed with New Line Cinema. Loyalty pays off. It does because, you know, they were the ones who brought the film to the screen. And if they didn't, you know, nobody it said, like, whenever they went round to the, the you know, the studios, they basically got laughed out the door. And then because it's a huge success and because it probably opened like the best weekend at that certain time or whatever... Then, you know, like, and everyone wanted it. And then they were like, oh, congratulations on that. You know, well done, you. <laughs> you know, by the way, can we have the sequel? They're like, nope. They st- they give us a chance. We're sticking with them. Yeah. So that's good. And in Hollywood, that's something like loyalty is not something that you can find, you know, very, very much of, especially with the likes of that. Um, but I think it's something that repays, you know, to take a chance and thing. And then... Obviously, you know, they would have got a hell of a lot of money from the second and the third one as well. Because I'm sure, like, when you look back at it, they were probably getting it severely in the neck for going, it's funny to say, when it's $78 million, um, from what they were originally provided, so far over budget, they were probably like, this movie isn't, if this movie flops, we're... Absolutely, it's very much like Star Wars here. and then how much Star Wars went way over budget and went way off schedule, and then it was like, all right, okay, it's the best movie of all time. So it's basically if you compare this, this is going to be one of the oddest comparisons you're going to see here, folks. But if you compare this with the original Rocky, it was actually very, very similar. Rocky was like a couple million budget, mm-hmm. and then was like I think it was like something silly, like thirty or forty million. In that opening, yeah. So, a movie like this, seven or eight million, even in its budget at the time, boom, twenty five million. Yeah, opening weekend, jobs done, jobs are good, and you know, even with your maybe your advertisement costs, on top of that, seven or eight million, your money's good. And as you mentioned, sticking with New Line, um, I'm sure New Line probably then gave them a bit more freedom for the second one. Based yeah. on their loyalty. I think as well because with that you then will get more money for that because they know the success was there so the success will be there. So if you think of Star Wars and how much that was and then Empire, the budget was this and then Jedi, the budget's this. 
So it's like, oh, well done. It's almost like if you're a kid and you've done a good job of doing something, it's like, oh, you've done well. Here, have some money. And then, oh, you did really, really well in it. Here, have some more pocket money. Have a turtle's action figure instead. But yeah, I think it's pretty pretty interesting that um, there's kind of like the Jackie Chan connection there as well. Yeah, because they're the ones who... That's, I think, why they kind of sided with them, because they did the majority of, like, the martial arts movies, yeah. and then with this having some elements of martial arts. Which makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. there's there's a fantastic video on YouTube, I'll have to show it to you sometime, that it gives you a kind of proper lowdown on how Jackie Chan's kind of trip of stunt guys and him do their movies and did their movies and obviously that would have been a huge part in the whole Golden, Golden Harvest thing um, and how it compares to how America does their stunts yeah. and acting and shots and things like that um, but I don't think for a movie based around um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you could have gone uh, much better no. than uh, a company revolving around Jackie Chan films so um, you mentioned Vanilla Ice, so you did, um, being a huge part of Turtles, but what did we think of the soundtrack of this movie? Is it fair to say it could be forgettable bar the main theme? That's what I was looking up for, because I remember that there was, no, I can't, I, it must have been a cassette, because I don't think compact discs were brown then, I honestly can't remember. But I remember buying, there was one song, which was a song by High Tech 3 called Spin That Wheel. Right, okay. So, um, yeah, so this was obviously from the original thing. But this must have been on the end credits. You know, like, and it got played there. And I remember listening to it. And then I bought the, the you know, like, I bought that. But apart from the opening, the, you know, the theme, the but it's like jazz. It's a little of going like, bodacious. And then... Jazz hands. Yeah. But that's the only music that I remember from it. And then obviously from the second one, you had Go Ninja, Go Ninja, and that kind of thing. Go. But Yeah. Um, but no, I think that with that, it's not one that... I can remember bits like whenever they're meditating or Splinter's talking to Raphael or whatever, and it's very mellow music. But I can't remember... I, it's not one that I would watch again and go, like, I need to buy the soundtrack of that because that is <laughs> epic. Because it'd be like, I need to listen to that soundtrack because I apologise everybody who is a huge fan of the soundtrack and Chris is offended right now yes I do but um, we're all different and we all like different things you may like that I'm not saying I don't like it but it's forgettable to me that's all I'm saying (laughs) oh dear so getting back to uh, voice actors and stuff like that we get extremely used to the voices that we hear in the likes of the cartoons. So Rob Paulson, Townsend Coleman, Cam Clark, again, He-Man connection and all there, uh, from the cartoons. Should we have had these voices or the ones we had in the movie? Sort of, as you mentioned, Corey Feldman. I think it's good to have, because you've had the voices, you know, like from the cartoon, and then the, you transition that to the movie. It gives people that familiar, familiar familiarity. Ah, that's the word. Um, the kind of same thing. Um, so then they can identify that's Michelangelo because I can see his Montana, and then I know that voice. You know, that surfer dude, etc. For me, the voices work in this, <clears throat> but nothing will ever beat the original ones yeah. you know like the Krang's voice is brilliant and then obviously we had um, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air James Avery as Shredder <laughs> which I think would have worked better then yeah. you know like almost like a have that actor playing him but then whenever he has the mask on you have his booming voice as Shredder um, but yeah I think for me I would have preferred to have the voices from the animation instead of the voices that we had here. Yeah, 100% agree. Especially considering how close in time it is. Yeah. You know, 87 to 90, it wouldn't, well, I say that it probably wouldn't have been hard 
to have the original voice actors involved, but you never know the legal stuff that's involved with this sort of nonsense. But I would maybe have a bit more of an affinity to the live action, maybe more than the cartoon, if there had been a bit more of a crossover, a bit more of a connection. Okay. If you'd had those original voices um, in this live action movie, I'd maybe feel a bit stronger about it. Okay. But when I look back, it is always going to be that link with the cartoon for me. Roundup time. So it is. So, final thing for you, Chris. Is there a favourite scene that you have? I would probably say... One, the the scene that always springs to my mind is whenever Raphael has had the absolute tar beat out of him and they put him in the bath and then they're all talking to him while they're in the bath. For me, that's the scene that pops into my head yeah. as soon as you mention that. That's a, like him crashing through the roof, the glass roof, and then they're just like all beating him and then, you know, that's whenever I remember him just being in the bath and then just them taking their time to get him better. Um and obviously the likes of the pizza, but I think it was Pizza Hut. Yeah, it was Pizza Hut. But then in advertising, it was sponsored by Domino's. Yes, you're so 100%, 100% right. You have yeah. different things there. But yeah, um, that would be probably the scene that I would, that as I say, would just pop into my head would be that. And obviously whenever you see them, you know, like um, Raph, whenever he meets Casey Jones and like you said earlier on he has the undercover stuff on yeah. you know like he has the trench coat and the hat um, and I just remember that as well but yeah for me it's whenever he's in the bath and they're putting the April's like putting the water on him you know and that's the overriding memory that I have um, from the movie as well alrighty so that is TMNT 1990 with a little bit of extra stuff oh, it's going in for good measure, yeah. as well it wouldn't be us if there wasn't plenty of rambling about other things at the same time will we do TMNT 2 down the line? perhaps we may um, if there's enough people wanting to hear about it I'm sure there's plenty of turtle fans out there and again if you do want to hear some more of those uh, what the shell episodes if we can find them somewhere we'll see about getting them online just let us know if that would be an interest to you. So, that's been episode 106. Now, next week, Chris will be back from London. It's amazing how you can do this still, isn't and, it, Chris? Um, it's brilliant. So, we'll get to hear about Chris's awesome stories from London, England, and uh, what all happened at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. And then, of course, there will be hand solo talk in the weeks to come after that so there's plenty of content still coming your way and then eventually there will be the whole dc uh, cw universe roundups as well so thank you all for listening everybody you can catch us on twitter at retroshock pod i'm at alan gw price he's at vento 316 feel free to drop us a message anytime of topics news articles whatever something that you might like see us talk about on the show and by see i mean hear us talk about um but you can see me on youtube and um, youtube.com for slash fentamini i don't want to see your face okay well okay. i see enough of it now get out then <laughs> but yeah cheers for listening everybody we'll see you next week bye 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 dudes